welcome to the Sociology and Animals podcast series. In this program, we speak with folks specializing in the sociological study of animals and society in an effort to document and explore how research in our field is applied in the real lives and careers of sociologists. My name is Dr. Corey Wren. I'm currently chair of the Animals and Society section of the American Sociological Association. But this podcast is coming to you from Canterbury, England, where I have been living since 2019 after accepting a position as lecturer in sociology with the University of Kent. Here in the UK, I am a member of the Animal Human Studies Group of the British Sociological Association, as well as the Vegan Society's Research Advisory Committee. In addition to teaching environmental politics, social movements, and animals and society at the University of Kent, I'm also co-director of the Center for the Study of Social and Political Movements and a member of the psychology department's Shark Lab, which stands for the Study of Human-Animal Relations at Kent. As you can see, I have had the great privilege to develop my career around various facets of animal studies, but it hasn't been easy. Our field is growing, but it is still small and doesn't always elicit support from colleagues, prospective employers, editors and reviewers, grant funders, and so on. My aim with this podcast is to challenge this institutional discrimination and provide some insider insights into making a career out of animal studies. Not that long ago, the idea of a career in animal studies would have seemed impossible, if not outlandish. Today, there are considerably more opportunities, but a lot of mystery and ignorance remains about how to go about pursuing and succeeding in this line of work. Especially with academia being so competitive and prestige-oriented, I think a lot of folks are hesitant to discuss the nuts and bolts of their career making. It is my aim that this podcast will serve as a sort of informal virtual mentorship for folks interested in learning more about the sociological pursuit of animal studies. So without further ado, let's meet today's guest. Hey, Jessica, what's up? What's the word? How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Tell the folks who you are and why you have so, been asked here, all your wondrousness. Oh, uh, I am Jessica Greenbaum. I am a professor at Central Connecticut State University, and I do research and teach on both animals and society and veganism. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what well, I shouldn't use that. Cool. It is cool. God damn it. So folks like Jessica, this is a little dis- disclaimer. Jessica is has been a mentor to me and really, dare I say, one of the founders of this field, one of the sociologists oh, out there. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm well, saying I, for the record. I, I will say that when I stumbled upon it, I didn't know that there was a field in progress. So can I tell you a story? Go Um, for it. In around 2000, I moved to Connecticut for my job. And I lived right near this adorable town um, that had a lot of cute little stores. And so one of the stores was a small bakery for dogs. And I would go in to see my friend Goliath. Um, he was a giant schnauzer. He has a pseudonym, by the way. Um, you know, I'd walk in, I'd rub his belly, give him the treat. And I didn't have a dog, so I was obsessed with him. And then one night a week, uh, the bakery hosted this thing called Yappy Hour, which was a social <laughs> hour for dogs and their people. And the dogs would get cake and the people would get a glass of wine. And this fascinated me. I was just like, what is going on? This is a sociological study. 
And I didn't even know, again, that there was this field. So I spoke to the owner who actually was a social major in college. Oh, and um, I was during the summer and I was really naive about academia, but I was like, I'm going to work here. So I got a part time job with a full time job as a professor, brand new minted professor. And I've never heard this story before. Yeah. And it developed into my first research in the field, which was on Yappy Hour. And um, I found the field, I kind of stumbled in it. I learned about uh, Clint Sanders, who was at UConn, right? So really close by to me. He became my informal mentor. Um, but it took a little while until I found him. And I never fully left. I took like, um, I guess you would say a slight shift and then started focusing on food and veganism when I realized I could actually study the other thing I was most passionate about, which was veganism and dogs. So mm. that's how. And then gender, which I sort of bringing back into my research more and more. Oh, yappy hour. Life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was life-changing. And then I got my dog as well. And, um, you know. Which has an Instagram I, account, which is also a whole other sociological. That is true. <laughs> the can't be, I, worms there. <laughs> it's actually funny because the dog I got, um, she's no, he's no longer with me, but he would have been a great Instagram account. He should have been in photos. Oh. Yeah, he was adorable. I follow so many Instagram accounts of animals. It's just all right. I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> no, mine is only dogs, and then I added cats, and my life improved. Oh, so you yeah. gotta get with birds. I have birds, so many birds. <laughs> one groundhog, one like California ground squirrel. Oh, Miss <laughs> Bonita. I'm t- okay. I'm all right. Gotta stop. <laughs> I'll send you something later. Oh, thank you. I'm 36 going on six. Okay, so um, let's get going with the, the interview questions because I'm getting excited about uh, Instagram here. Can you summarize, so you've summarized a little bit with your research interests, but um, actually you've told us how you got into animal studies, but right. maybe you could tell us a little bit about the sociological element. Like what is it about sociology that you think is so conducive? Like why is it that you as a freshly minted sociology professor walked into yappy hour and was like, oh, I've got something here. Right. Well, sociology is the ultimate social science, isn't it? When I was in grad school, um, the social sciences all had, the TAs all had um, offices in the basement. And we would like put signs on the ones like the sociology of space and place for geography, right? The sociology of culture and traditions for anthropology. We just like, went around. We do all of it. Um, yeah. everything can be examined using the sociological lens. I mean, we look at culture, we look at interaction and institutions. Mm. So it's a good way of sort of exploring the uh, role and quote unquote purpose of animals in our lives. We study inequalities and oppression so we can understand how animals are exploited and used for human desire. We look at social movements Mm -hmm. So we could challenge and fight social change and for social justice, right? So what can sociology not look at? We could do it all. Yeah, here, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You went around putting, did you put signs up? Literally. We literally did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you think about methodology also, I mean, we do, you could do quantitative, you could do qualitative, you could do observations, right? You could yeah. do any sort of, research you want to do 
Um, and yet we are a discipline in and of itself, right? So we have our own codes and rules to study human behavior. Yeah, it's interesting that you went the methodology route as well, because I think a lot of folks try to, that's actually ripe for more more research, I think, is how to actually develop methodology to include non-humans. Yes. And it's, it's some new stuff's coming out. But one of the things is, uh, as far as this diversity of methodology, is that I work with uh, the psychologists here at the University of Kent. And we, you would think that, oh, we're all like studying the same thing. We are asking similar questions. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, we are like butting heads. I actually have uh, one of my colleagues I'm going to bring on uh, in a couple of weeks. He, who's a social psychologist, because I want folks to know that there's, you can do this quantitatively. You don't always have to do qualitative or theoretical. You can actually set up experiments and things like that. Right. Yeah. right. And I think. Uh, with all due respect to my psychology friends out there, um, when I look at my students, most of my students do a combination of sociology and psychology. Like they pick one as a major, one as a minor. Mm-hmm. And we're not that, we are not that similar with psychology. There is a significant difference um, of how we look at human behavior. Yeah, and one of the things is that they think there's... I shouldn't say this on air because we're going to be interviewing him soon, but I just don't know if I'm by the whole, there's certain personality traits that are, because, you know, we've been taught, we are taught in sociology to think about socialization and social psychologists also recognize socialization, but they Mm -hmm. also recognize these these set personality traits. And so that'll be interesting to unpack. Yeah. Um, But let's get back to sociology. Okay. Maybe you can, um, offer us some new developments that you think are interesting in sociology when it comes to veganism or animal studies? Like what has been really jazzing you lately? You know, uh, it's so funny when you you asked me this because I had been really interested. So I was sort of started in symbolic interaction because that's basically my training in general, besides my feminist kind of ideas. But uh, when I started the field, that was the major theoretical perspective. And I sort of feel like I have half my body in human animal studies, because that's, I feel like, my training in the field, and half of it in critical animal studies. And I'm leaning more and more to that. Um, I am most interested in both feminist and kind of critical race theory now. Um, and that's what's informing me the most. Uh, I talk about one of your studies, like one of one of your recent so, articles. So one of the I, I've been really um, influenced by Brees Harper's work and Sill and Afco. Yeah. Um, but they're theoretical, right? Yeah. Um, and a little bit of anecdotal, right, as evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to sort of not test their theory because I really want, I ended up not doing that. Um, but I kind of wanted to know what do everyday people think? So I started asking people who were both black and people of color uh, about veganism. And I was sort of hoping I would get the black vegan perspective, um, but I would think I I would have to target a more specific group for that. But I, I was really interested in knowing what did everyday people think about 
the issues that theorists are talking about today. Mm -hmm. And um, it's certainly on their mind, but they, what I, what I sort of found was that, you know, they're not thinking in um, academic scholarly ways. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know if I told you, don't. I don't know if I told you this, but I had a similar, because I remember when you were working on that research, you were really frustrated because you expected folks to kind of have this consciousness to that and they didn't yes. really. So we uh, had done a similar study with a student of mine where she investigated the intersection of age and gender and being a vegan or whatever. And it was the same thing. It's like when, it, when, we, when she asked them about feminist intersections, oh, they could go on and on. And when, but when she'd ask them about age issues, they just basically had to struggle. And so one of the things I thought was going on there was that folks who've been in the animal rights or vegan movement for a while have probably been exposed quite a bit to Carol Adams' work. Yeah. But maybe not so much, I think, with non outside of the feminist stuff when we're talking about like critical race, age and whatever else, colonialism. These are kind of new developments in the field. And I don't think I've had a chance really to seep in to the average activist and really shape the way they understand their activism and veganism or whatever else. That's what I'm thinking. Right. I always get frustrated when activists don't look at academics. <laughs> and I also get frustrated when academics don't look at activists, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like we need to be, uh, I'm not a public sociologist, right? But I feel like there needs to be a little bit more of that work that sort of leans out uh, to the community. Um, and I, so when, because I do more data-based research, right, qualitative uh, studies, um, I, ha I focus on, you know, what people are saying. Critical animal studies, I also feel, tends to do more theoretical analysis. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to, like, again, I, as, a, as a sociologist, I don't prove anything, right? But I want to understand it and see what's, what's yeah. kind of going out there. I think that's a really so, good point you make that there's actually very, it is all very theoretical. And then there's the folks in psychology who are setting up experiments and running statistical analyses and then. With no theory. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's a little, I think a little bit of um, vegan feminism and intersectionality theory is informing it, but maybe they don't recognize it as such. Right. So actually I remember um, reading Patricia Hall Collins, Black Feminist Thought. And I read that book multiple times, but the first time I read that book, I, I read it um, thinking about black feminist experience. The second time I read that book, I thought about it really looking through the lens of a Jewish woman's experience. You know, just kind of how does it connect? The mm -hmm. third time was thinking about it in terms of animals. Mm. And um, so, you know, Patricia Hall Collins, and then I read that was a long time ago, right? And then I read um, Carol Adams, and I was like, damn, she wrote the book I wanted to write. Uh. And she wrote it much better than I could ever write it. I mean, she's a philosopher, right? But, like, I could see so much of Carol Adams and Patricia Hill Collins. Mm -hmm. it, was really, it was really interesting to me. Yeah, I want to clarify for folks who might not be familiar. Patricia Hill Collins is, is a sociologist, so I guess she's our... Mm -hmm. Uh, our intersectionality, uh, intersectionality expert for our team, the sociology team. She was president yeah. of the ASA and all that. So that's why we like to reference her. And also she was writing way back on this stuff in like the early 90s, if not before. Yeah. So she was yeah. at the same era of Carol Adams and really is worth um, 
folks looking into? I was really learning all this stuff. And it, actually, I was starting to learn it in college because I learned more about feminist theory in college than I did in grad school. Shh, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> It's the reverse for me. I don't think I took any gender class. I didn't. I didn't take any gender classes in university, and it was only in my PhD I started reading feminist stuff on my own. Yeah. It's going out there onto the, onto the world. <laughs> imposters. I actually want to back it up a little bit, because so we've been talking about the things that really excite us now, but one of the things that kind of built your name in critical animal studies, I would say, is you applied a lot of Goffman. So yeah. I wanted you also to talk about, because uh, this I think is for like for students who who are thinking about okay, what about core sociology and how can I make that apply, especially when they're starting out and learning to really expand the, the barriers of sociology. You, do, you, do you want to talk a little bit about Goffman maybe and how that speaks to what we do? Right. So Goffman is a symbolic interactionist, right? And he talked about how we're doing the performance, right? And how life is sort of, um, you know, to take the Shakespeare phrase, I think that he uses like life is a play, right? We're all actors in a play. And um, we take, um, we have a front stage and backstage behavior. So as an actor, you're on the front stage, people get to see who you are, or they see this character of you. And then when you step behind, uh, the stage, you take off your makeup, your wig, your clothing, and you become you. And so I did this uh, one paper where I talked about kind of activists doing front stage behavior. So what is it that you want people to see about what a, who a vegan is, right? What does veganism mean to them? How do you explain veganism in a way to people that is non-threatening? And then what happens when you close the door and you pick up the phone and you talk to your friends and if I could say, when you start bitching about them, right? Like- Kill all the what? humans and every human would die. <laughs> right, I mean like, you know, exactly. Um, and now the funny thing is, is with me and my friends, it's I hate all vegans, right? So, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. how we see activists acting out um, and how activists are you know, not taking an intersectional approach and and it's so kind of getting patriarchal and stuff, but you know, that's a whole mm -hmm. other podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but I really uh, thought that was an interesting approach about looking at how uh, impression management, that's one of the phrases that Goffman uses. So how do vegans create an impression of themselves um, in front stage behavior? an activist work. Come on, if that's not um, like fascinating work, come on, this is like course. So, but I don't see that as critical at all studies, <sighs> but I'm glad you do. I just think of Marx. <laughs> well, well, see, this is the thing. Like, it, it's just that when, I guess my entry into sociology, I did not even know there were people doing, applying sociological theory to animal issues or animal activists until I was already starting my PhD. Right. That's when, so that was not that long ago. I started my I PhD in 2008. So it's for me to come across your work and it's like, oh my gosh, someone's applying Goffman to this. Oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like hindsight is 2020, but right. at the time, like, this was like amazing stuff. And I just kind of wanted to highlight the fact that for those who are interested in this field, we are still a growing, emerging field. And there's so many opportunities for people to apply theories to new 
animal questions, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so exciting to be in, in a field. So, you know, I was trained in, in gender, but it's like, God, everything's been done already. Right. And mm -hmm. so to really kind of start up something that's semi new, um, I remember a few papers I, I really wrote that I was so heavily reliant on blogs. Yeah. Because there yeah. wasn't much scholarship. <laughs> That is such a very astute observation. Yeah, and I was like, this is not academic. And I'm like, well, we're going to make it academic, right? Um, and going back to Patricia Hill Collins, who talks about poetry, right, as their academic work, that Black women were kept out of academia and going to create it. Well, why can't blog posts, which is a, definitely a place for outsiders, right? And people whose voices are not normally listened to, mm -hmm. to take center stage. And I'm not a podcast listener. I don't enjoy it. I like, because if I'm reading something, I have to take notes. Um, but a, a person I follow um, on Facebook, and I know he has podcasts, is Christian Sebastian. Oh, he is our last episode. <laughs> right? He, he's he's so amazing. really funny <laughs> smart, um, oh, he's astute, right? Um, real critical, um, black, uh, I would argue, queer, feminist, critical race scholar yeah. um, who focuses on veganism. And it, he's just fantastic. All right, folks who are listening, this is episode two that we are like <laughs> about him. So if you haven't checked him out, now's the time. Uh, yeah. How about, let's see. So we, we were talking about developments in the field and what brought us to the field. And again, one of the aims I have for this podcast is to kind of encourage new folks to this, folks who never would have thought that we exist and that mm -hmm. there's room for us. So for take take yourself back <laughs> when mm -hmm. we were new to this and we were all alone and just kind of fumbled our way through. If if you could go back to that person. If you could give advice, what what might advice what advice might you give someone who's pursuing this field? I find is that because there's so few people who are literally interested in the field, if you find scholars in a different university than you, reach out, mm. reach out. I because I teach only at an undergraduate courses, so I don't have grad students who are writing masters. Uh, theses or PhDs, and I have been fortunate to be uh, a couple of readers on dissertations, um, and I loved it, right? Like, I love mentoring and working um, with, with students, so that would be uh, my first idea. I would, How did I even oh, come to meet you, speaking of which? Like, I don't even remember. We were, uh, we were on a panel together. And I was ASA. Uh, it was an ASA. You were a grad student. <laughs> I was really impressed. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, look at this work!" Right. Um, so yeah, that's how we became. And I think we chatted for a couple of, of minutes, and then we met again, or something like that. Um, and I remember because I took some of your work, and I'm like, "I'm going to use this in my class." Aw, um, you did too. I remember yeah, that. I did. I, I still do. Um, Aw. So I also, because, you know, we are a field still on the edges of the sociological mainstream, ground yourself in a theoretical perspective 
And especially if you're going to get a PhD and want to go into academia, become a well-rounded sociologist so you can market yourself well. Bingo. There are no jobs in animals in society. I no. was lucky that I work at a university that um, I kind of came in as a symbolic interactionist. And then I was like, I want to teach a course on this. And they're like, go for it. Awesome. And, you know, that doesn't happen everywhere. Mm. Um, and also, because academia is over, um, kind of think about how you can create skills outside of academia. Ooh. I hate to say it. Yeah, but yeah I think yeah. that's really, really important. And it's, it's um, so sad when someone emails me and says, Dr. Ren, what advice would you have? I want to do what you do. And I say, all right, uh, well, sorry to say, okay, A, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But then also I sign off and say, but I cannot end this without warning you, really consider should yeah. you get this degree at all? I mean, because you're right, academia is dead. That, and I'm viscerally aware of this because I just got out of the job market and have this right. amazing privilege, which is honestly like winning the lottery. It is a crapshoot to get an academic job that's secure now. But I was looking at the the, the data because I was getting so miserable and um, worried. <laughs> it was something like 40% of new positions that open up in the United States for academic sociologists are tenure track, 40%. Yeah. 40%. So, I mean, that's only going to drop after the coronavirus crisis. And Oh, yeah. We just lost. I just got an email today saying we lost our new search. And when I tell you we had the most talented pool, mm. and it was so specialized. It was a feminist queer theory position. I fought for 10 years to get this position. Ooh. We had four amazing finalists, and it's gone. Yeah, so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah, the, and these yeah. stories are all over the country. And and for those who are wondering, I'm here in the UK. And our in our situation, we don't have the tenure system here. You basically have secured jobs, but we also have the equivalent to adjuncting, which is the same crisis that it is in the U.S. And we are also facing major, major financial crises because of coronavirus, because of the conservative government. Da 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 da. So anyway, what we're suggesting here, folks, is um, be strategic consider academia kind of the dream job but not a guaranteed job right all right exactly. so we're, <laughs> we're yeah. sorry to end on a poo-poo note but just being realistic you know this does not mean you can't go on to serve other animals uh i'm gonna have casey on casey roar 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 she's gonna kill me <laughs> casey will be on here soon and she was i would say one of the most promising graduate students when it comes to animals and society and she did not get a job in academia and, and has taken a job with phonolytics which is actually oh fantastic i mean come on so there's other research jobs you can do she probably if honestly if she'd held out i'm sure she eventually would have got an academic job but that's the gamble you have to take right it, you're very unlikely you get it right off the bat you, a lot of people have to lurk in grad school for many years or kind of take jobs that aren't satisfying to them and whatever else anyway i digress because we're out of time. So in the next couple of minutes, perhaps, can you tell us a little bit more about how we can get in touch with you, how we can follow you on perhaps <laughs> social media? What, what, do, what well, do you do? I don't really, I don't have a professional online presence. Why? Um, I, I don't know, because people are cruel out there. And I, oh, I don't have, I know, I don't have the stomach for it. Just um, don't read the comments. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my research articles um, are uploaded on Academia and ResearchGate. Uh, you can um, contact me 
uh, I, be, I will leave you my contact information and uh, people who would like to reach out. Uh, you need a reader on your dissertation. You want me to take a look at a paper of yours? I'm happy to do so. Yeah, we got to look out for our own. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jessica. Thanks so much. This has been Thank you. a very interesting conversation. And I know it's going to be very helpful to people who are new to the field or interested Excellent. in the field. Excellent. Thanks for listening to Sociology and Animals. I hope you found it helpful and informative. If you want to learn more about the sociological study of society and animals, you can check out the website of the Animals and Society section of the American Sociological Association or my own website at coreyleevren.com. You can also check out the International Association for Vegan Sociologists, and the website for that is vegansociology.com. Feedback and suggestions can be submitted to myself at coreyren at gmail.com. That's C-O-R-E-Y dot W-R-E-N-N at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to share this series with others. The music for this podcast was provided by Ode to Sleep, a band local to where I live here in East Kent, England. Ode to Sleep explores various topics with their music, including human and animal rights, environmental issues, equality, and mental health. Their debut EP will be released in September 2020 through Is No I in Team Records. Their single feature here is called Captive Audience and is available now on all streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Dr. Corey Wynn signing off. All the best.